Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited as I'm often accused of being with my guest this morning, Mr. Spencer Sheenan. How are you, Spencer? I'm excellent. Thank you. Good morning. It's uh, you and I met. I think this is a we're COVID online dating, maybe kind of. We met, uh, I, I don't even know how we got connected, but this is a pure online relationship that happened. Uh, I'm going to blame COVID for us even coming into contact with each other. That, that's probably that's probably true. You know, I've 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 done some online COVID dating for real. So this is actually uh, uh, thank you for acknowledging that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I saw your profile, you know, ultra, uh, ultra marathoners, you know, run multiple businesses like this is the kind of guy I want to go on a podcast day on a podcast mm-hmm. day with. So here, here, here we right. sit. But hey, I got your LinkedIn in front of me because I'm a professional creeper like we all are. Serial Good. entrepreneur, international keynote speaker, best-selling author. You and I, when we chat, we chat a little bit about your book, which I want to get into today. But maybe like obviously a man of, of a diverse background, but let's talk about what you're kind of currently doing and then we'll maybe unpack and talk about the journey that got you here. Yeah, sure. So my current business is called Shift Financial Insights. We make accounting not suck for entrepreneurs. Um, and really it, it kind of says it in in the in our kind of catchphrase is that, you know, I, I, I am an entrepreneur, like I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years with operating businesses and I also happen to be a CPA. Um, and you know, like if, if people call me an accountant, I do get a little bit offended. <clears throat> so, you know, I think of myself more as an entrepreneur. And I just just kept seeing the same problem over and over again, which is entrepreneurs understand they, <clears throat> excuse me, they, they understand they need good numbers, but they don't know how to get there. They're often stuck, frustrated, often embarrassed even by how bad their books are. <clears throat> Sorry, just a bit of a frog in my throat there. And so, you know, we outsource the entire accounting department. We take care of all the basic day-to-day stuff that everybody knows they need to get done. And then we take care of the stuff that they don't need to get done, which is really, really great financial insights and the, the understanding the stories built inside the financials that actually really allow for good decisions. Financial statements themselves, they're not really that helpful, like, especially for an entrepreneur. You know, like I went to school for three years to learn about financials. Most entrepreneurs didn't. So... How do we actually bridge the gap? How do we stop talking like accountants to entrepreneurs? And how do we empower entrepreneurs to get the information they really need out of their accountants? Because at the end of the day, and I think it's the age old, you know, like we've all seen the Harvard Business Review covers a few years ago, like data, data is the key to it all. Data is the way of the future, which I don't disagree. But as you and I've chatted, it's the insights you pull out of that data that actually matters. And I think you're looking at a set of financial statements. If you don't really know what you're looking for and you can't make any decisions afterwards, then it kind of just ends up being a sheet of paper you push to the corner of your desk as an entrepreneur. And I'm speaking from past, present and current experiences on 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 occasion. It's as as an entrepreneur for many years, I leaned in on the financial side and took some basic accounting courses. And it took some effort. Like it wasn't inherent. I didn't just wake up knowing how to do it at all. Yeah, and, and I also think of insights. It's almost like business class on a on an international flight. You know, you get on a plane if you're in coach, and you know there's that cabin up there, but you don't really like. They've got the curtain, and you can't see in. <clears throat> and so, if you're lucky enough one time to actually sit in first class or business class, you've got a lie down seat. They bring you good food, all that kind of thing. Then when you go back to the back of the plane, it's like, wow, this really sucks. That's kind of like insights. Like if you've never experienced them, <laughs> it's hard to actually understand how powerful it can actually be. And, you know, I don't want to sound like Tony Robbins, but it like can change your life. Um, it, at least it can change your entrepreneurial life and be like, wow. So now rather than scrambling all the time and I'm trying to grow my business, now I can actually grow it with confidence, knowing where I'm making money, where I'm losing money. Um 
you know, I'm not worrying about office expenses and bad example right now, because not a lot of people have office expenses, but you know, I'm not worried about office expenses being, you know, the where I spent $700 when I've got a labor problem of 60,000, you know, really going after the biggest problems first, really understanding where the, which customers are making money, which segments are making money. You know, I've seen businesses that are growing and growing and growing and not making money. It's because you're growing the, the, the customer base that's not profitable. That's your problem. And so that's, that to me is the insights. That's the exciting thing. Doing the, being the outsourced bookkeeper is kind of a necessary evil because so like even just getting the bookkeeping right is a challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs. We solve that because in, until you get the bookkeeping right, you can't get good insights. Garbage in, garbage out. Well, so for you doing the bookkeeping is actually, that's the inputs. The output is the insights to your, to your point. Like one is totally. the, I have to go down. I have to spend the time. I have to put in the miles. <laughs> and you and I were talking offline. I know you, you're you a competitive endurance. Athlete. You got to put in the miles to get the output, which is really getting across that finish line, which for you is the insights. But right. if you don't, you're right. If you don't have you, if you don't like, I want to draw some conclusions off what, and if you can't trust your data, if you can't trust your information because you're, and for a lot of small businesses, I, you know, no one, very few small business owners that I know got into it because they were really excited about the bookkeeping aspect of it. I would say none that I've met actually. <laughs> there was a survey of over 10,000 small and medium business owners and 40%, that's nearly half of entrepreneurs think <clears throat> accounting and tax is the worst part of owning a business. So like what we're talking about today, like literally half of entrepreneurs think is the worst part of owning a business. So, which for you, clearly looking back to, you know, what is the path of an entrepreneurship? It's seeing the need, it's seeing a problem and that, and then basically stepping up and solving it. So as a, you know, unique background from someone like I look at, I, I, I really picked up what you said earlier. And I, I think it's funny. Like I, I think back when I was younger, where saying you want to be an entrepreneur was a dirty word saying you were going to be an accountant made everyone in the family go, oh, Spencer's going to be an accountant. Uh, you know, he's going to have a career path. And yeah. I love what you said that you actually are a little insulted or potentially put off when someone calls you an accountant versus calling you an entrepreneur, which man, you and I similar age around about like 20 years ago, I don't really think that would have been the same kind of breakdown. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still don't think I liked the title of accountant. And yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's accounts listening, I'll apologize. I, I can be kind of hard on accountants at times. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I didn't know what I would call myself 20 years ago. Um, sure. Well, yeah. well your, your LinkedIn profile definitely calls you an accountant. That's what, so I'm leaning a little bit on the, you know, because I love the path of playing, you know, PricewaterhouseCooper, you know, yeah. RBC Dominion Securities, and then yeah. boom, the entrepreneurial journey looked like it started pretty, pivoted pretty hard back in 99. And it was yeah. you kind of doing your own thing ever since then. So what, what was even that like? Did you just, just knew in your bones of heart of hearts that this was not the world for me? Yeah, I mean, when I was so at Pricewaterhouse, I was actually Coopers and Librand. So when I did my CA, CPA, it was before... PW, the, the merger between Pricewaterhouse and Cooper's PwC, we all know it as today. Yeah. yeah. So I was on the, the the Cooper's side and I literally drove to work nauseous every day. Like I'm not exaggerating. I was physically ill going to work and I just, I hated it so much. And so I, I was a pretty classic case of as soon as I got my degree, I moved on to, you know, I, I left and I went on and I became an investment banking analyst for a year. That was at Royal Bank Dominion Securities. And uh, I, again, I drove to work nauseous every day and I, I, you know, there was parts of it, it was more interesting and I liked it, but as an analyst, you know, I was literally, and this was before this, you know, the internet was pretty new back then. I was literally data entering financial statements and spreadsheets to do analysis between companies. And I'd spend the entire weekend data entering and it just, it wasn't for me. And I was pretty miserable and through kind of a fluky long story of, um, 
you know, this, I was also not making very much money in the day. And so my sister and I got together to buy a house and the realtor came to me with this real estate investment opportunity. And, you know, it was all this weird thing. And I ended up connecting with the, the contractor on this development opportunity that I became a part of. Um, after we came really great friends over the course of this year long project, she said, hey, do you want to find a business to buy together? You've got the accounting, you're the, the, the money guy. I'm, you know, I'm the, he's run businesses his whole life. He goes, let's get together and do this. So I just kind of was like, yeah, cool. Sounds like a good idea. Like it was, I don't know what I would have done if he didn't, you know, invite me to be an entrepreneur. I felt like I was always going to be in business somehow, but I hadn't found my path. So we literally just started looking at businesses. And I mean, it's embarrassing to think back at how unstructured and unplanned it was. It was literally fluke after fluke. Um, and we actually, we, we did, we looked at a few different businesses and none of them made sense. And we actually walked into a manufacturing business and they were producing lip balm, they all types of skincare products, but lip balm was on the line when we did the tour. And I remember we were both just thinking like, wow, this is actually a real business. And then remember that was the height of the tech boom as well. So there was all of these tech companies that were, had these multi-zillion dollar valuations, which didn't make any sense. And we saw a real business that maybe we could actually get into. So uh, so yeah, that was the first operating business we got into. We bought it. I did all the, for me, the financing was pretty easy. You know, we, we financed 90% of it. Um, so, you know, we scraped together the 10% that we needed to buy the rest. We, we, and we took it over and moved forward. How, how old were you at the time? That's it. I love, I love this story. Like, cause you know, sometimes people tell their stories as these master plans yeah, and then, no. and then the rest of people are, or the honest ones say, well, this is actually how it happened. <laughs> yeah. I was 26. Um, so I was also super young and it was really, I, I had, to, it was awkward because I was the youngest person at the company and I was one of the co-owners and my, basically we, we split it up that I ran the, the operations and my partner ran the sales and marketing. Um, we had a president from the company stayed on. So we did have somebody who knew the business well. I couldn't have done it without that support. Um, but yeah, no, I had I had no clue. And and just a really <laughs> quick honesty, story, honesty. <laughs> a story that you'll love is I remember it was about five years in. And <clears throat> you know, I went in and I was young, I worked hard, uh, you know. Um, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I'm also not the dumbest guy in the room. So I was figuring out a lot of the problems. And I remember that there, our receptionist leaned in and said, we're out of toilet paper. Should I order more? And I was like, I am doing something so, so very wrong. If I, I have to give permission to order toilet paper, like that's just that's so ridiculous. So yeah, it took me, it took me a long time. <laughs> what, 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 what's the option of not ordering toilet paper? Let's not discuss that at all. Like it, this is a non-negotiable decision. <laughs> am I going to fire you for ordering toilet paper? Oh, you ordered toilet paper without asking me like, so bad. So bad. <laughs> so was that your kind of window into like, wow, we need a structure. We need, cause the get building a business and being able to scale a business is about building structures and building, building a mechanism that nobody has to ask about. Can we order toilet paper? And right. was, was that something that came in when you guys were there or was that a bit of a legacy mindset that the company was before? Um, I, great question. I think it's, a, and I hadn't specifically thought of that before. I think it was a bit of both. I think there was definitely legacy. It was a family run business. It was a, a brother, sister, brother-in-law slash husband um, trio that basically did everything and they were really tight with everything. And so that was probably there. Although to be honest, that receptionist was somebody we hired. So she wasn't part of that legacy. Fair, fair enough. And, and I think for me, it was just the lack of knowledge 
to put in systems and process. Like, you know, I remember the first day a customer called and I remember the customer and I picked up the phone because we were really small at the time. There was only four of us in the office. We didn't have a, a receptionist. I picked up, I don't care. I'll pick up the phone, picked up the phone. And it was a client that said, we have a problem, but I can help you with the problem. And I spent the next two days solving their problem, which was basically doing everybody else's job for them. And I didn't know different. I just figured I had to work hard. So I didn't have a sense of what those systems and process meant or how they operated. And while I had that, wow, I'm doing something wrong moment with that receptionist, I also, you know, I went to a speaking, uh, I, I went to a speaker, I was invited to one for the first time, I'd never seen a speaker before. And uh, it was actually a business coach was putting on something for prospects. And I for the whole thing, because I ended up hiring him. But like, I, I was listening to the speaker, I'm like, Oh, and I, I was with my partner. And we like, literally had our heads on the table, we were laughing so hard, because everything the speaker was saying, and this is how you do it wrong, was exactly what we were doing. And we just thought it was so funny. Like, I mean, it wasn't funny, but it, like all we could do was laugh. Well, there's a point where you just have to laugh at yourself, like for sure. And go, well, it I didn't know. Now I do. So now I'm going to do things differently. The case study of everything you could possibly do wrong. Like we may as well, he may as well have been pointing at us with every point. So yeah, that was kind of about five years in. And then the journey really kind of evolved from there and learning. And I mean, obviously I'm still learning. I still have Every time I learn something new, I realize there's three more things I have to learn. So um, but by no means am I, you know, there's there's just so much to learn. I just feel I, I'm at least I'm at least in that quadrant where I, I have a sense of what I don't know, whereas before I, I didn't know what I didn't know. Which is such an interesting that quadrant of like, you don't know what you don't know. Then all of a sudden you become aware of what you don't know. And that can mm -hmm. be very uncomfortable. That's where you either lean in or people run the other direction. Yeah. Like it kind of is a polarizing moment. Yeah. Because then our own ego, our own sense of self, like everything gets kind of put in the ringer. And I think being in business, that happens over and over and over again. <laughs> I mean, it's it's remarkable. Every I mean, and and I've also learned that every time I think I have it figured out is exactly when karma is going to come kick me in the ass and tell me, no, there's this whole part of the world you have no idea about. That's like, what the oh, that's when the left hook, where you're like, oh man, I think I got my shit together. And then next thing you know, went the left hook of whatever, yeah. maybe two or three left hooks, depending on and then a jab, really to nail, nail you. So yeah. I, I like what you said. And I think it's, I, I want to call it out because I talk with so many people and more so now, but even 10 years ago, you got a coach. How long did, like, was that a moment for you? Because I, 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 I'm a huge advocate of it, but I still run into yeah. people that are like, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't think I need that. I'm like, why, why wouldn't you? So anytime I can kind of shatter or go at that belief yeah. structure, I, I take a run at it. <laughs> so how long do you have yeah. a coach? I mean, I, you know, you, Wayne Gretzky had a coach. Michael Jordan had a coach. LeBron James has a coach. Like, why wouldn't you have a coach? It's, it's just, it's insane. hundred <laughs> percent. So that was my first coaching experience. And, and he came from, um, Oh, of course, uh, the Michael Gerber, the E-Meth style. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's, that was so standard really entrepreneur was, reading back when you and I were getting into business back in 2000. Exactly. That, that E-Meth was, was a standard, like, like, here, read yeah. this kind of book. Yeah. yeah. And so that was really about build your org chart, put names in it. If you're in six boxes, that's fine. And then build job descriptions. So we, we did a bunch of that. And I think we were with him for about a year. And I think, and he was great. And I think what happened is, our business was a little more complex. Like that manufacturing business was to this day, one of the most complex businesses I've seen or been involved in. Like we had 6,000 parts. We had tons of finished goods. We were highly regulated. We had audits and by Canadian companies, US companies, by three different governments. Like, yeah, it was, it was a complex business for, especially for a relatively small size. I mean, by the end, there was about 60 of us, which is a decent sized business, but still not a huge business. 
Not not to um, be not to be regulated every every turn. <laughs> oh, it, I mean, we don't do audit and tax now in my current business, so I don't have to be subject to regulatory audits. It's literally that's how much I refuse to be part of it. Um, I had a bad experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, so anyway, back to the coaching. So and then on and off over the years, I've had different coaches, and so right now I'm actually working with the best coach I've ever worked with. He's amazing. I have a breakthrough pretty much every time I'm with him. Oh wow. Um, well, I actually had him, we, he, he came over for dinner. We did a sort of a, an outdoor social distance dinner coaching session last night, which is nice to start to do now. And um, yeah, he's really amazing. And he's more of kind of like, for me, the coaching as an entrepreneur, there's coaching and there's mentorship. The mentorship to me is around the skills of being an entrepreneur and the skills of um how to build the business and you're stuck in marketing, you're stuck in your accounting, you're stuck in a technical skill of the business. To me, that's more what the mentoring is for, HR issues. The the coaching for me is about how to build yourself as an entrepreneur. That's a really cool distinction. Mm-hmm. You know, and I hate the term life coach. I just think everybody throws it around, um, but it would fit kind of in that category where, you know, how do you approach it when your business is suffering? How do you approach life when your business is doing well, but your family life is suffering, how do you approach just how do you approach being an entrepreneur? Because it is a bit of a different mindset. Let's be honest, we're kind of a different animal. And so how do you enjoy life, regardless of what's happening in the business, you know, even right now, like things are crazy right now in the whole world. But this is still life. And you know, how do we choose? And how do we set ourselves up? What is our morning routines and all the stuff we all know about from all the stuff we read that's best, best in class habit. But, you know, what are those real stuck points that are actually holding you back as a human? And how do you break through those to get to the next level? That to me is where the real gold in the coaching is, because, yeah, we can go out and we can read a book on how to build a pipeline or we can read Mm -hmm. a book on how to, you know, do. Well, I'm never going to read a book on how to do good SEO, but um, (laughs) I I. Point, point. I really like the distinction of the mentor is about essentially on the business and mentoring you on business skills, where the coach is about moving yourself forward and, and personal development and all the things that, because let's be honest, you can learn anything, but those mm-hmm. beliefs that get in your way, even with our own team members, sometimes I'm like, I know you have the skills, but there's something going on under the surface that I'm probably not qualified to wade yeah. into, but there's something else holding you back, not your lack of intelligence, not your lack of ability to be resourceful, but there's a belief structure somewhere whether it's sense of self, imposter syndrome, whatever it may yeah. be, the list as long as both of our arms here. Sure. But I, I really like that distinction. And I, yeah, that is, uh, man, that's a must. It's a must have in, in my world. So to hear you break it to the two different pillars, I really like that a lot. Yeah. And I mean, I'll, I'll just sort of, I heard this just the other day listening to, um, I actually can't remember what I was listening to, but I, I tend to listen to um, some, as part of my morning routine, I listen to kind of a five or 10 minute video, just uplifting motivation type video in the morning, uh, video on YouTube in the morning. Um, there's a couple that I like, and th- he was talking about this one particular quote was something like, you know, you can't read the label on the box when you're stuck inside the package. It's um, uh, Ray Williams, the wizard of ads. Okay. There you go. Amazing. For years, I'm glad you do that. For, 
Clear Motive, we picked that. We've been a fan of his for years, and you can't okay. see the label when you're inside the bottle. Is one of the things we joke about. So yeah. I can't tell you how much I love it. You just brought that up. But yeah. uh, Roy Williams, not Ray, my business partner has been down to see him in Austin a few times, and he's yeah. a pretty inspirational dude. But uh, yeah. maybe that's him. But that's where I first heard it from. I think that's his one of his coins phrases. Yeah. And, and I so think that's, it's gold. It's gold. <laughs> it's great because it's it's also like when you think about that yourself, like okay, you're trying to get your own breakthroughs, but you're 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 using your own mind that's already got the block to try and create a breakthrough. Like, what's wrong with that picture? Like, yes, you're using the machine that created the problem to try to solve the problem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's so, that's uh, so, so even in your own role now, as you've moved through to this role where you're working with companies and providing insights, do you ever find yourself in more of that? Is it mentoring slash coaching? Like, I'm sure it, like once you've been coached and mentored, I find sometimes yeah. it comes out when you're working with someone else, when you see like, oh, I can help you. Like, I see what's holding you back or my version of what I see. Is that also part of what you guys do at Shift? Um, so I'm going to say fine line there. Um, okay. I appreciate that. I, I kind of, I went down a little bit of a road on that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, you know, our, our controllers and bookkeepers, like they've got pretty clear functions and their role is to deliver good insights to the clients. Um, and so for me, my personal role is I, you know, I do a little bit with the client still, but you know, I'm more the face of the company. I'm in front. I do a lot of speaking, this type of thing that I'm doing with you. And so, um, and I tend to deal with more prospects. And so my, you know, if I, we look at, um, you know, unique, if you're familiar with the term unique ability, Dan Sullivan, strategic coach, um, my unique ability is I, I quickly get to the root in order to raise the bar. That that's my unique ability. And so for me, that, that really manifests in a strategic function when I look at financials. So I, I tend to do my coaching maybe more as a mentor style where I will look at the financials and be like, Hey, I mean, this just happened. I mean, that's actually would be a bad example because it was a technical problem. But like, I'll look at something and people will be like, yeah, I've got a great bookkeeper. I'm like, well, you know, I'm seeing these things. And so I'm, the, I'm having to kind of often share with them what's not going well in their business so that we can then raise the bar. Um, I don't get into too much of the personal side because people, you know, we are generally talking about the, um, uh, the, the technical issues. It's more kind of for my friends. I do mentor a few, like I have a few mentor relationships. Like I, I mentor a few entrepreneurs at a time. I just don't have time to do more than that. Um, and that's more in a structured kind of two week cycle. Um, and there we get more into that. And, you know, I have some friends that I go down, especially now with, you know, we're trying to pivot my business and, you know, we're having a conversation with one of my friends and he's sharing this new model. It's like, well, you know, what do you want? Like, do you want to even come back to your current model? Because you don't really love your current model. And we really talked about the, the you know, what, what does he want to create in his life in order to let the business serve that, not the other way around. So there is an element of that. But honestly, for me, I fit more into the strategic um, strategy coaching than I do kind of the life coaching side of things. Well, I, I love the distinction. And I think in professional services, no matter what it is, you eventually you're dealing with people oftentimes with their challenges and you get them in their places where they're frustrated or challenged by something in their business, having a distinction of what is, you know, you know, the way I drew it, like one's on one side of the line, one's on the other. Yeah. And I think that line can be blurry unless you're deliberate and understand the difference. And I, you've yeah. laid it out to me in a very clear way. Like yeah. that professional services mentor is very different than someone's coaching you on what's holding you back. Even though you might see it, it's a, it can be also be respectful of what you're wading into as well. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, and, and don't get me wrong. I actually love the personal development side. Like that's sort of a personal 
hobby of mine. And I actually see that as a vision in the future for myself. Um, nice. Okay. I, I have like my holding company and it's not operational. Um, I do my speaking and, and my limited coaching through it. Um, it's called 86.4 Performance Group. Uh, 86.4 is short for 86,400. Do you know what that number means? I wish I did, but no, I'm going to be honest and say I don't. <laughs> number of seconds in a day. You can only spend them. You can't buy more. And yes, you can make decisions in order to give yourself more opportunities to have more of those. Um, but uh, you can't buy more. And so how do you use those to the best of, you know, how do you fulfill, create a life by design to fully express those 86,400 seconds? So my vision in the future, kind of when I, I, I feel like I still have some work to do with shift um, in the future, um, I actually see 86.4 as my role. I mean, my, my why is I believe entrepreneurs can change the world and my role is to help them through their financial blind spot. That's that's my why today. The, the why in the future is I believe entrepreneurs can change the world and I'm here to help them through their blind spots. So uh, nice. I like I like I like that pivot for sure. Yeah, I see transitioning from focus on the finance. And I just I see there's so much meat in what I'm doing right now that I'm really inspired by it. And I know that in five years, seven years, ten years, right. I, I'll want to move on to something new. I, you know, that's I'm an entrepreneur. I don't like I can only sit in one thing so long. So it 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 is a disease we all suffer from, isn't it? It's 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 the, it's the discipline of like mm-hmm. what's shiny, what's shiny, and what's strategic. Those can be really slippery slopes sometimes. Yeah, I'm you. speaking. I'm projecting a little bit now onto me on my own. <laughs> I, my discipline a few years ago, I realized was saying no, saying yeah. yeah. That was way too easy. Like I'm a sure thing. Hey, you want to do something? Yeah, absolutely. Let's yeah. do it. I'm totally in. <laughs> so we started shift, shift it. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, which is a subtle difference to having a value like a core value of fuck yeah which is if there's an opportunity to do something unique, awesome, amazing, the answer is yes. Um, and not holding back. That's different than just being a yes, saying yes to everything. That comes yeah, that, that's a very good point. Yes. Adventures and experiences. Yeah. Uh, so you started shift about four or three, like LinkedIn tells me three years, uh, three years and eight months ago, four years ago. Sure. So was, was part of, was part of starting that business was part of, was it part of this path or did you just see this overwhelming need so much that like, Again, what is it? Is it about the end game, or was like I just got to fill this need because I'm seeing it time and time again? Yeah, so on that, I, that's great. I mean, on the personal development front, I realized I was actually pretty unhappy with my current situation, and this is you know maybe seven eight years ago. And so I, I mean, I, I own three businesses concurrently. So there was the manufacturing business. Just by the way, we also made hand sanitizer. So if I was still in that business, life would be crazy. Uh, so manufacturing, construction, and cold storage. So I had all those three at the same time. And I, I, just, I was actually quite miserable. And, you know, despite kind of it was that image, wow, everything's great. You know, we had 300 employees between the businesses and everything, blah, blah, blah. I just, I, yeah, I was living in what I called robot mode. So I actually made a conscious effort to exit all of those businesses. It took about three or four, maybe even five years before we, I, I exited all of them. And I had partners in each of them. So there was things to unwind, all very amicable, um, you know, I, Maybe not as well as I wanted to do, but better than it could have been, you know, given <laughs> circumstances. Well, spoken like we did always, if we could go back and do it again, I maybe yeah. would do things slightly differently, but such is life. Yeah. yeah. And and so I was kind of in this mode of, you know, what do I want to do with my life? And I, I pledged to take a year off. And I was actually at an event. I'm, I'm pretty involved with the Entrepreneurs Organization. Uh, and I was at a, a speaking event there. And it was a finance speaker. And he was really great. Um and really technical. And so like, I'm a CPA. So I was like, hyper focused on what was going on. And I could barely keep up. And at one point, I actually corrected one of his formulas. And everybody in the room laughed, because it's like he was going so fast. If you weren't an accountant, you probably weren't keeping up. And so 
after one of the guys in EO came up to me, he's like, hey, can you put this in my business for me? And that I just that was that first light bulb moment where I was like, wait a second, entrepreneurs understand how important this is, but don't understand nor want to do it. And I was like, these are different languages. They are completely different languages. I speak both. You know, it's almost like metric and and imperial. imperial. And I have that conversion table that other people may not have. And so that was kind of the first aha moment. And then, you know, because I'm, you know, I, I was doing some consulting just for for a few small startups, just to kind of keep myself busy. And they kept saying, like, will you be our CFO just because they wanted me on their website more than anything, because I'm a CPA and all that stuff. And I would reluctantly agree. And I was just, I'd ask their bookkeeper for something, and I'm like, I, I can't get anything or like the bookkeeper would send me a question. I'm like, how can you be asking me this question? Like, this is, this is so basic. And, and I was super frustrated. So the aha moment too, was I was actually called my former director of sales from the manufacturing business. Cause we kept in touch. She's actually my second in charge for my current business now. Oh, nice. And, and I was like, I was venting to her. I'm like, you know, I just, I'm working with these companies and they, they just, I can't get any information to do my job. You know, if I just had Anna and Anna was my controller from the manufacturing business as well, she could go and clean up all these businesses. Then I could actually do my job as CFO. And she said, have you talked to Anna? I see, I see the light bulb forming on top of your head right now as you're talking. Like, no, she's like, Anna's not happy where she is right now. And I'm like, oh, so I called Anna. I'm like, don't quit your day job. Here's what I'm thinking. She called me two weeks later, said, I quit my job. I'm like, I said, I guess we're doing this. And that's literally how shift started. So a combination of just seeing a problem or two problems. And then just a serendipitous opportunity. And, you know, right away, kind of all the companies I was advising, we put her in there. That's so like I started a little before kind of whatever LinkedIn says, because we just we were doing it somewhat haphazardly and and without a formal company. I just would put her in to all these companies. And we started talking about what's the evolution and then kind of carried on from there. I do like the story of also you were kind of building your business before you decided to build the business, like versus like, okay, I'm going to come up with an idea, cold start versus looking at what are you actually doing now? Where are your relationships? Where do you, where do you have those things going on? And so it, it, it doesn't sound like, you know, and I don't want to minimize it because every business has risk, but it sounded like you kind of, you, you, you loaded the deck in your favor when you started this business. Cause you'd already done the research. You already had the relationships. You were kind of in it. You just then decided to formalize it, which I do appreciate. Like it, it sounds like you de-risked it just by the process alone, which also made it feel like it just was all of a sudden there. It just like this, it was a business well before it was even on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's a fairly well articulated. And for me, one of the keys that I did is I really wanted simplicity in my life. And part of what I was unhappy about, you know, I mentioned the complexity in the manufacturing business, you know, construct, but building a home is a very complex process. We build high end custom homes. My partner was a construction guy. So like that was, I didn't have to worry about that, but also a complex business. Um, you know, the other business was in Washington state. We had three locations. We had a union, like there was complexities there. I'm like, how do I just make this business really simple so that we can deliver really great information. And so I really made all these choices around how do I keep it simple? How do I not add too much complexity here? And so kind of, I, I, I wouldn't say I, I purposefully did the way you described it by stacking the deck in my favor, but I'm like, okay, we have enough clients to get Anna on full time. Okay. Anna's on full time now. And so, you know, I didn't, you know, all of the other businesses had lots of debt, lots of capital equipment, you know, lots of that type of thing. And, you know, we've, you know, I think we have a small overdraft in case we write a check that goes over by a thousand bucks or whatever on our, on our thing. But 
I mean, we don't have bank debt. We, we, you know, I didn't get investors. I didn't do anything complex. And I, my choice was I, I would rather build this sort of step by step, um, which actually isn't as simple as it sounds. <laughs> but, you're, make, you're making it sound very, but I was going to ask is one of your, you know, you talked about core value and, you know, the, the, the fuck yeah belief structure. Do you have one around simplicity? Cause that's yeah. what I'm hearing. Like I, you sound like you gravitated directly away from yeah. like I, when I was younger, somehow I thought complexity made it better as yeah. I'm getting older. I realized that that is absolutely not true for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, simplicity is one of our core values uh, for sure. It's not a personal core value, but it's a shift core value. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's so interesting, you know, the ability to scale and like the more complexity, I, I know my brain really enjoyed it when I was younger. And now as I get older, I, even when I'm talking to my CFO, she'll give me something. I'm like, this is too complicated. Make it more yeah. simple. My managers aren't going to understand it. Like beating the simplicity into it until you, it can't be any more simple. I, I've just noticed my own trend in that, in that, in the last couple of years, for sure. I mean, it, it's kind of the under underlying intention of shift is to make the finance not complex for entrepreneurs. And so, yeah, we have to deal with some complexity around the way we're building software. We built software to actually create simplicity and there's complexity in building a software, but it's all about how do we make the end result simpler? Whereas I was just accustomed to so much complexity and the, the challenge for me with complexity is unless that's your model where you're, you're solving a big complex problem, whether it's launching mm -hmm. a spaceship, which just happened recently, um, SpaceX, that's, that's foundationally complex. Um, is the complexity gets in the way of moving fast and actually taking action and, you know, my, getting mired and just, you know, I remember we would have our project launch meetings when I had our skincare product. And I think our, each product we launched had like something like 320 something steps to launch one product. I mean, that's a complex thing because it was regulated because it had to be tested because it had to have stability testing because it had to be lab. Like, I mean, it's just, there were so many things we had to do before we could get a product on the market. It just, yeah, it made it very difficult. That's before you even started to try to sell the product. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like the, before yeah. you even got to that, okay, great. We before got it. We got a PO. Uh, it, interesting. I, just, I love how our, all of our learnings and our experience accumulate to our future decisions. Like, Oh, I saw complexity. I want to move away from it. I saw this. I want to move away from that. So, Hey, curious, you just, you just, you, you, you wrote a book. Talk about something that appears to be very complex or can be, I know as an outsider, you and I chatted a little bit, you know, in our, in our first, our first COVID day, yeah. this is date number two. Clearly the first day went well. Yeah. We had each other back. <laughs> Talk a little bit about that experience. Like, was it was it something that you had a book inside you that needed to get out? Was it very strategically part of the business as like I'm going to create some valuable content here that's going to help me? A combination of the two. What was the driver? Multiple, maybe multiple drivers behind that. Yeah, I, kind of probably that and then some. So in part, um, I think just from a credibility and a being, you know, um, an entrepreneur now best-selling author, I get to say. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of cool. It's good for the bio. It's good for when I do speaking gigs and I get introduced and then, you know, I can hold up my book and show people. And there's, there is just an, there's, there's a credibility that comes with having written a book that just, it's just organic in people. It's kind of hard to articulate. And, you know, from a pure BD perspective, it's nice. You know, there, you know, I think last week we sold a thousand books. There was a promo on that's a huge number, by the way, in the, in the, like that, sounds, that sounds bigger than I thought you would have said, like not, not yeah. good or bad. I'm just like, that seems like a legitimate number. What if I'm it, thinking it, of a physically stack of a thousand books? Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's a lot. And we did a, a promo last week. So that moved a lot of books. And now there's a thousand people with my book and, you know, might somebody read it and then give it to a friend because their friend is an entrepreneur. And so, 
now it's just a way for me to touch a whole lot of people that I otherwise wouldn't have touched. Um, and partly because, you know, I, I've, I fundamentally believe in what I'm doing that there, you know, I think the relationship between accountant and entrepreneur is broken. I think the way financials are delivered to entrepreneurs is broken. And so this is my, I'm on a mission right now to just fix that on as big a scale as I can. And I can also only do so much with shift. Um, you know, we can only grow so fast. You know, I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. I know the pitfalls of trying to double every year. Uh, I've tried that before. So I'm being more purposeful. So, you know, this is kind of the do-it-yourself version of Chef. Like, all my secrets are in there. Just take it and run with it. You know, so um, I my goal was to deliver as much value. For me, it's the first of a few books. I, I really, oh, nice. it was a challenge. Um it was really hard. The editing process was really difficult for me to actually get through that process. Um, the ideation was not the problem. That's almost never anybody's problem. Um, yeah, spewing out, spewing out ideas, but then putting them in a way that they yeah. can be digested, sequential, that people can actually get value. And when you did the book, did it, and I'm hearing you say it now already, so maybe this question isn't as, as did you already have it? Or did the, the book also force you to kind of get your thoughts out in a sequential way? Because it, yeah. it feels like, like okay, I've got all these thoughts, but now I'm actually going to organize them and put some structure to, to behind them. It was largely in my head. And then I, the, there was a lot of work to refine it to actually make the flow make sense on paper. Because what made sense in my brain didn't necessarily work on paper. And then you know, everything evolves. And, and you know, my publisher warned me, he goes, you're going to get to a point where you're going to want to keep changing it, but because you're going to keep having ideas. And, you know, like today, I'm thinking like, okay, well, geez, I would probably do that this way now. But, you know, the book's in print, like, you know, that just that life. So there's also the element of as I'm learning and evolving, there's a point at which you just have to put the cap on the book and be like, this is what it is now. And then, you know, Sure, maybe I'll come out with version two at some point. That's an interesting. I heard a quote the other day and it just stuck with me and it's kind of relevant, but it was something like, I'd rather be seen as a hypocrite than be the same person forever. And I really love that statement because yeah. like, oh, but didn't you say? I'm like, well, yeah, but that was a year ago. I've learned new things. Like, look here, check check version two. <laughs> Another version of I think this is Tom Bilyeu from Impact Theory, or at least that's where I heard it, where if you're not embarrassed about who you were a year ago, you're not growing fast enough. Ah, I like that one. I like that. The one I got was actually from the, it was from Beastie Boys. It was from their recent movie about their whole history and biography. That's where that was from. Okay. Oh, interesting. Like if you're not embarrassed for, and I've heard different versions of that too. If you're not like, if you're launching your, your, your product, if you're not slightly embarrassed of it, you waited too long and yeah. you, you know, those kind of things. And which goes so against, I think all the way, sometimes a lot of us were raised as this right, wrong, pass, fail yeah. kind of scenario, but life is not like that. That's no. such a bunch of bullshit. Well, and you know, what's really interesting, probably that if the, if I were to say the one surprise that I got out of the book more than anything else yeah. is how vulnerable I felt the day I saw it on Amazon. Oh, like, interesting. I was yeah. not expecting that at all. And so what happened is I put, you know, a year plus into the book to get it out and I was, I'm proud of it. And I'd had, of course, a few people read it early on and give positive feedback. And you never really know, are they being nice or actually being positive? <laughs> um, yeah. and, and so I put it out. And the first time I saw it listed on Amazon, literally my stomach just sank. And I was like, that's weird. I wasn't expecting that. And it's because all of a sudden I put a lot into this book. Like that's me in that book. That, those are my jokes. Those are my stories. Those are my ideas. I tried to make it fun. So you're not reading a crappy accounting book. 
And if somebody doesn't like it, it kind of feels like they don't like me. <laughs> and I, that sounds so lame and weak and like I, I coming off my tongue and I don't even like the way that sounds, but it's like, wow, that's me out there for people to judge who I have never met, who I can't put my tone and my voice and my context into this book. They're going to read it how they read it. And if they stop after 20 pages, it's like, what does that say about me? So I wasn't expecting how vulnerable I would feel. I don't think I would feel that way with my next book, just because I've now had that first experience and I've, I've done more writing and I've put out more articles and stuff like that. So I'm a little more accustomed to it, but I wasn't expecting that. That was a super interesting moment for me. I love those little surprises, you know, because, you know, someone like yourself, your guy, clearly you you read, you listen to inspiration, you're kind of aware of your own feelings. But when something comes out of left field like that, it catches you. It almost kind of excites me while, some, while simultaneously having that feeling of like, oh, that doesn't make me feel very good. But I'm like, yeah. wow, I did not see that coming at all. And I, I thought I had it kind of, I thought I had myself kind of figured out until that moment you don't. <laughs> it, was, it was actually pretty cool. I, I, uh, I think it's great. It took about a week for me to get over it. <laughs> oh, okay, so it wasn't just a passing. It wasn't later that you didn't go on a bike ride and then put it out of your put it out of your mind. No. And, and since since you brought it up, I'm curious. I was listening to I forgot I was listening to Rogan or someone the other day, and he had some guest on that had just really got into having a big following, and he guy was really being impacted by all the negative comments. Right. And Rogan's like, oh, he goes, once you get to a certain level stop let's just stop even looking at your comments so yeah i'm not asking have you got negative feedback but has that been something you kind of got over that first round and now it's just out there or has that been a bit of a process for you as now a content creator who's putting himself out to the world yeah i i would articulate that i'm in that process so um i'm in the pretty early stages of building a community and building a following um you know i and and i find it really difficult because i think there's a lot of crap out there i think a lot of people put a lot of garbage content in the world and I don't want to be part of that. And so I actually find it quite difficult to come up with content that I think is unique or interesting. Um, a lot of the stuff I'm putting out right now are personal stories about something that happened to me and then what did I learn from it? And okay. it might be a lesson or a learning that already exists in the world, but I'm giving my lens to it. So if somebody can resonate with it. So for me, um, I've been fortunate that I haven't had particularly negative critique. Um, it may be that I haven't had enough or that I want a bigger audience or that, you know, I, I, I haven't experienced that yet. Although while you'll see posts from me on social media, I'm not on social media very often. I have helped doing that post where I'll write something and someone will post it for me. And I actually don't really want to look at the, the results. Um, I want to just be true to who I am. And I don't want that messaging to influence what I'm putting out in the world because I do believe in it. And I mean, you know, I mean, look at politics, 50%, anything you put out, 50% are going to love and 50% are going to hate yeah. or at worst, nobody's going to care. So people are going to like some and people aren't. And I'm not, if I'm not targeting you, that's okay. It doesn't mean I have to like feel bad about, you know, a troll saying my book is crap or whatever. And I haven't had that. So I've been very lucky. Yeah, to to, be, to to you know, to be loved is also to be willing to be unloved. Like that, to your point, if you take enough of a stand that somebody goes, "That's amazing," and someone goes, "That ah, doesn't resonate with me," yeah. but if you're vanilla and nobody even, I think the worst one of all all of those options, like option three, was no one even cares. Well, that's, that's, that, you're right. That is the worst. For the other two, at least have is a reaction. It, so this is actually really interesting. So I, I did my first speaking gig a couple of years ago now, and I hired a coach specifically for that. No surprise, and probably amazing coach um 
he's actually out of South Africa and we did everything by Zoom because I thought he was that good. And I did my first speaking gig and I handed out, you know, surveys and I, I generally got really, really positive results, mostly nines and tens, which is, you know, for an accounting talk is pretty spectacular. I think I, I think I cheat a little because everybody's expecting it to be crap. So if I'm better than crap, I get really good results. But hey, I, I don't hey, I don't mind like gaming the system to yeah. like the bars here. I'm going to come in a little bit. Higher than the but, but interesting. What, what happened is I think there was one six and one seven. And I remember that's all I thought. Like I read through them and I was devastated. And I call his name's Rich. I'm like, Rich, like, what do I do? I got this six and a seven. He goes, well, yeah, good. Because if you get everybody giving you an eight, that's a terrible sign. That means, you know, if everybody gives you sevens and eights, that means you, you know, they're, they're being nice. You're okay, but you didn't impact them. If you're getting a bunch of nines and tens and then some low scores, it means you're really hitting the right audience. You're impacting the people you want to impact. And if somebody doesn't think you're doing good, that they weren't your audience anyway. That's fine. Uh, I, I like that because a seven and eight is kind of is kind of is kind of vanilla. Like, yeah, he was okay, but nine is you impacted me. Six, I wasn't the right. This wasn't the yeah. right talk for me. I like that. That's interesting filtering. And and I've also since had instances where I've handed out surveys and and the organizer was with me, um, and I went through the surveys. He's like, oh, let me see. And he's like, this was you know, an entrepreneur, this was their accountant. This was an entrepreneur, this was their accountant. And the entrepreneurs were generally nines and tens and the accountants were generally sixes and sevens. Oh, well, yes, because you're a threat, Spencer. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah, you're, because you speak primarily in the, do you, you speak with EO? Are you a tech speaker as well or just EO? Uh, yeah, I speak with tech, I speak with EO. Um, and then just other kind of one-off industry organizations that, um, you know, their annual conference or whatever. But the ones that are kind of the easiest to, access that are more structured is EO and tech. Um, yep. And I'm going uh, to, I'm going to float your name to my tech chair so we can see if we can get you oh, over the, okay. over the next year. Yeah. Okay. I've been in tech off and on. I think I was in for since 2010 for about six years, took a couple years off and just joined yeah. it back into a, into a group again. I, I like tech a lot. That's good. And I've, I'm sort of now getting, um, there's a few um, EOS implementers, uh, yep. operating system. A few of those implementers, I'm, I'm now starting to do some speaking for some of their groups and stuff like nice. that. So um, I'm actually really excited about that because we have a lot of overlap with our, our our ideal target client. And I think it's really good way to support each other where, you know, they have clients who their accounting departments are a mess, so they can't get good information, so they can't help drive good management decisions. You know, it's hard to build your, your US dashboard if you can't if you don't have good numbers. Like it, well, you, it's not hard. It's, it's impossible. You can't. It's a good win-win, right? The client's yep. happy, EOS guy's happy, we're EOS implementers happy, we're happy, and everybody's happy. So <laughs> sure. So for anyone who's listening that is, you know, building their content or building their community, like you said, what metrics do like what metrics are important to you? Do you have certain things that you look at to show that you're moving in the right direction? Like I know we're jumping around from accounting to the yep. journey too. But for anyone who's like, you know, community building is obviously a lot on a lot of people's minds right now. And I find the wave of new podcasts and new blogs that have come out of COVID are quite interesting. But I think, you know, you listen by the amount of podcasts that are coming out to talk about what you should be measuring. Most people don't know yeah. <laughs> is, the, is the short answer. So what do you look at? Like, what are your key metrics for like, yep, we're moving in the right direction. We're building the audience. Let's keep going. Yeah. yeah. So I'm actually going to say something that's going to sound really contrary to what you're expecting. Okay. Um, and this came out of, I was reading something recently. It's, it's a book called Time Warrior. I can't remember the, the author's name at the moment. My apologies. And it's, it's, a, it's a fun title. <laughs> Time Warrior, yeah. It's a bunch of two and three page chapters. So it's a really good thing in the morning. If you kind of do reading in your morning routine, it can be just a quick read. You can read one or 10 chapters if you want. And there was an example where they were talking, uh, you know, he's a coach and he was talking about a speaking client of his and 
how, you know, he got a great gig, it was well paid and it's a month away and, and, you know, he went off to his normal busy life. And, and the question was, what if that was your only speaking gig this year, what would you do? And so I, I sort of stopped. I'm like, you know, I do a bunch of gigs. Like early in COVID, I was doing three podcasts a day, three webinars a day. Like it was crazy. And so I stopped and I thought about it. I'm like, well, actually for me, the most important thing I can do is impact somebody individually. And so if I do a talk and I generally offer a half hour free consulting after the talk, I mean, no surprise to anybody. It is a BD tactic, but if I mm-hmm. help somebody and they don't become a client, great. So now I measure the impact of my talks by how many one-on-one meetings I get. And so it wasn't un, it wasn't uncommon previously if I had an audience of say 50 people that I'd have four or five one-on-ones. I From that time warrior, I started thinking about what's the impact I actually want to have. So it's not actually about the numbers, it's about the impact. And I want to get these one-on-ones. So there was 31 people in my last talk and I got nine one-on-ones out of it. So like I basically double or triple depending on how, you know, what the ratios were, the impact, which is the result, which for me is one-on-one conversations. That's my goal. Um, of course, so just, just by changing your focus, it automatically shifted how you, how you show, showed up around that idea. It changed the story of my talk where I was actually doing more content before. And I really do try. And if you read the book, you'll kind of get my, the style of my vibe where I tell stories to make a point because nobody wants to just hear a bunch of accounting content. Um, And it's not an accounting talk. It's about empowering, same with the books, but empowering entrepreneurs how to drive their accounting departments. And, you know, because we're often afraid of the accounting department. Um, So I changed the story of the flow of the talk to be more about the impact and how does it feel to be an entrepreneur not knowing how to take the next step? How does it feel to be an entrepreneur when you don't, when you're not confident about what to tell your on your accountants to do. So I, I really churned it from here's how to do it to here's what it feels like when you're done. Here's a case study to feel it. Here's a few kind of high level tips. Uh, yep. And, but here I really got into the experience of that fear that why are we, and I, I did a whole new section on why do we, even we know it's important. Why are we stuck in inaction? And so as an entrepreneur, whether you think it costs too much, whether you think you have other priorities, whether you don't know where to start, whether you don't even know if your bookkeeper is good or not, whether, you know, there's there's sort of eight or 10 reasons why I believe entrepreneurs are stuck in an action. So I really talked more about that rather than here's a report you should be asking for. And that I think really engaged more. So um, so what I, I think the measuring stick for me and I, I you know, I'm. There's people better than me about engagement and clicks and like whatever. For me, it's about what is the goal you're trying to achieve? For me, it was one-on-one connections through my speaking. That's what I'm measuring. And now I can keep refining my material until I get to maximizing that. Um, so at present, I you know, other than, and this is terrible, I'll put up my hand, I'm embarrassed to say this, when I'm putting out content on social, on LinkedIn, I write for Medium, when I'm doing those things right now, I'm kind of just practicing and I'm kind of just making sure I like my voice. I'm, I'm, this is, it to me, that's, um, um, what do you call it? Like just a, a play area for me to learn. Yep. A friend of mine published a book and she's actually an English professor at UBC. And she's like, my blog was for me to try things. It wasn't, for anything else. So I'm, you know, I'm not, 
that focused on having a thousand likes or 2000 shares or anything like that. It's I'm really just in the experimental phase, trying different types of articles, seeing what resonates and what doesn't. I appreciate the honesty. You know, you have the overarching, the bigger goal, but it's so it's a, it's a living, breathing, like focus group. You can crowdsource like feedback. And I think it, you know, there's so many articles and but so much reality of the, the perfectionist paralysis or the perfectionist procrastinator. I like what you said. I'm just trying things. It's true to me and I'm putting it out there and seeing what happens. And it's, it's, well, literally, isn't life just all practice for the next thing? Anyways, isn't it all just training for the next event? Totally. And, you know, I, I really love the, the thousand true fans out of Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. <clears throat> you know, he talks about you got to just get a thousand people that love and follow you. And I think everybody's so fixated on getting so many big numbers. Right yeah. now, my goal is to really like, entrepreneurs kind of in the one to 10 million range. That's the people that I resonate with more. I don't understand billion dollar businesses. I don't, I don't know how you organize 5,000 employees. I really, I don't get it. That's, that's doesn't work for me, but I really get the 30, 50, 80 person organization, even a 10 person organization. That's sort of my range. So, you know, if I can get my voice tuned where a thousand, I can really positively impact a thousand entrepreneurs in that range. That allows me to multiply my voice because if they all have 50, now actually it's, I'm impacting 50,000 people. That's the exciting thing about the, the ability to scale and to reach. You know, every one of those points has you know fifty to two hundred, depending on which stats you read and sure. their their Facebook pages and all all that fun stuff. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty and I appreciate the like you're on the journey. You're you're figuring out. You've identified what's important to you, and now you're trying different things to find the best way to articulate it and get it out there. And I think that's the. I just run into the perfectionist procrastination so often in so many business, but we're going to wait till it gets perfect and we're not going to act. But then time is going to pass anyways, while you're trying to quote unquote, chase the perfect idea or the perfect solution, which let's be honest, in my opinion, rarely exists. Or if it's perfect today, it's, it's out of date tomorrow. In kind of my six months. I mean, and, and for me, the crux of kind of all of this is I'm actually really enjoying it. And I'm passionate about what I'm doing now, which is so refreshing and unique from where I came from. You know, and yeah, I still have crappy days and yeah, there's meetings I don't want to take and yeah, there's tasks I don't want to do. That's life. But overarching, it's like when I have those wow moments with clients, you know, where one recently was like, well, it's like the clouds parted when we started working together. And it's like that angels. Like, oh my, I've never got that in, in manufacturing. <laughs> <laughs> You're not, you're not, you're not driving to work feeling sick to your stomach anymore no. is, is what I'm hearing, but you're well, also still human, which I really like that side of it. Like you haven't got it all figured out, but so yeah. far it's feeling pretty good. So you're yeah. going to keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, and when I do get nauseous, it's because we have a client where things aren't clicking, you know, we're not right. perfect and we have client issues just like everybody else. And so that's when I get nauseous. And so that's to me, a much healthier place to be nauseous because I, you know, like we're, if we didn't do something right, how do like how do we fix it? How do we make this right? It, it's a solvable. Like yeah. sometimes that nauseous or that feeling of uncomfortableness is that there's something needs to be addressed. But when it's every day driving to work, that's a bigger sign. Yeah. But something definitely needs needs to be addressed on a, on a large scale. Yeah, Spencer. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me too. I love the honesty and the humility of like, I'm just a guy, I'm figuring shit out. It's not perfect. It might look good from the outside because I am a best-selling author, as you know. You know, <laughs> you throw things like that out. I think it's part of why I created They Just Get It. It's so easy. We all hero worship sometimes like by accident. We don't even intend to do it. But when you talk to people, which I found every single guest, they're real. They have fears. It wasn't always successful. They've tripped and fallen. They've got back up again. But there's usually some underpinning driving force that keeps them going forward to, you know, what is it to go from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm? Or I'm butchering that quote, but yeah, there's a quote. I think it's Winston Churchill. Well, and, and if it helps, like I see a lot of financial statements, right? 
And what we often think where somebody is performing and where they're at, like, I have a lot of calls that are like, I'm kind of embarrassed to show these to you. I'm like, no problem. Like, I see this all the time. So that hero worship thing, we always think everybody's got it figured out. We're all living a human experience. And we all, you know, like somebody looks perfect and, oh, they've got it all together. They might be a complete disaster when they're not on stage or they're not, you know, do, performing their craft. And it's like, yeah, we all have our unique abilities. And when we're in our unique abilities, we're driving and awesome. And then it's like, well, wait a second, why is why am I not sleeping tonight? Or why, you know, why can't I get this stupid thing that happened this morning out of my head and I'm spinning on it all day long and it's a waste of mental energy. And like, we're human, we're having a human experience. Yes. And it is occasionally, and it's often messy. <laughs> <laughs> often or always. Uh, yeah. But fair enough. I want to leave a little room for it to fill your own, to choose your own adventure really at the yeah. end of the day, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Spencer, what's the best way for someone to, someone's suit? They're sitting here, they're inspired, they're jazzed. What's the best way to get your book, get a hold of you, check out your company? Cool. Well, the book is, uh, you can find the book at entrepreneurnumbers.com. Um, and there's actually a bunch of also free downloads and stuff like there. If you want to just go and get some free resources, it's all available there. Um, entrepreneurs.com. Uh, if anybody has a question or wants to reach out to me, Spencer at shiftfinancial.co. Uh, not.com. Uh, somebody had booked that and wants to hold it for ransom and I don't pay um, uh, email address ransom. Uh, Spencer at you, Shift Financial. You, 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 you do not pay terrorists? Like, no, no not going to happen. Exactly. You have, you have a we do not negotiate with terrorists. But those are the two best. And, I, and I'll just offer up if there's any entrepreneurs out there. Um, and if you're using QuickBooks online and you want to have that free session with me, um, I can actually connect our software that we built to your uh, to your system, to your QBO account, and I will run through kind of everything I teach in my talk and everything I teach in Entrepreneur Numbers. I'll do a one-on-one -on -one experience with the first three people. If you um, uh, make reference in the subject line to this podcast, the first three, I'm happy to do a, uh, who reach out. I'll do a free, free session right through. This is how you can look at your numbers in a completely different way than you've ever had before. I love it. I'll uh, talk to my social media manager, and we'll actually, uh, yeah, we'll put, we'll, we'll, we'll put a little heat on that because, hey, I've heard loud and clear what your impact is and how yeah. you facilitate that. So, if I can help, if I can help to facilitate that, then today was a good day. Awesome, Spencer. Thanks so much for your time, and I again really appreciate. I love candor, and uh, you got out there and you put it out. So I really appreciate that. Thank right you. Right on. Thanks, Tyler. That was uh, and, and great job. I've done lots of interviews, and this one was really engaging and fun. So sometimes they're just stock questions, one, two, three, four, five. So I, I enjoyed how we got into it today. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Good old, good old fashioned chat. It's the, it's the only way to go. <laughs> Hello, and thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. I want to let you in on a little secret. I absolutely love doing these podcasts. The learning, the people, the curiosity, the insights, the, the wow factor of meeting people that I thought I knew and learning their deeper stories really proves the value of what happens when you take the time to be curious and actually care enough to ask. With that, I'm looking for your feedback. I'm looking for your input. I'm looking for what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, where you'd like to see it headed in terms of guests, in terms of questions, a little bit deeper, please feel free to share. We'd love to get your feedback. Visit us on iTunes, on Spotify. Give us your review. Give us your five stars if you feel so inclined. But more importantly, give us your feedback. Give us your input on what you want to hear on future shows and we will absolutely incorporate it. Thank you again for listening and have an awesome day. <laughs>